This is the Four Man Rush. Hello, Panther fans, and welcome to another podcast of the Four Man Rush. I'm your host, Timmy VO, here with Kevin Larry. Welcome back, bro. And Will Harris up in the building. And we're going to talk about all the bullshit that's gone down over this past week. I swear to God, if you're if you're a Panther fan, um, I I, I really I really hope that you're okay. <laughs> so there's some uh, there's a lot of a lot of things happened this week that uh, this past week that tug at the heartstrings a little bit. So um, we're going to talk about that, but more importantly, we're going to talk about the players that we acquired, right? That's going to help us get to that get to that championship level, dealing with good old. Coach Rule and his staff. Um, they seem to be, seem to be putting the, putting together a team of players that they're comfortable with and that will hopefully get things done. Um, that's that's the uh, that's the way this is looking. So, well, we're going to talk about the free agency acquisitions. We're going to talk about obviously Cam Newton and how the Panther organization did did our homeboy man. We're not too happy about that shit. Free agency is still on, so that's okay. And uh, well, we'll see what else is floating around there. We might pick up some more players. Who knows? That Robbie Anderson pickup was huge. But anyway, let's 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 get down to it, fellas. Um, and we'll talk about the Kyle Allen trade, what we got, what we got out of that, and all that good stuff. But yeah, let's uh let's get into the free agency pick, uh, acquisitions uh, all together. So, uh, well, we'll start off with you, man, and uh, then we'll go to uh, Larry, and then we uh, hit up with Kevin. Okay, um, and. Uh, Will, well, what's what's going on with the free agency acquisitions, man? Like the Panthers have been busy as, you know what? Yeah, I think this has been, you know, it's been a tough offseason. I understand that. But I think, you know, low-key, this has been one of the better weeks. I think they made a lot of good moves. And I think it just shows kind of the direction Rule wants to go. Looks like he's bringing in guys that he's familiar with from Baylor and his Temple days. You know, Joe Brady got his quarterback that he worked with in New Orleans. I expect them to target LSU players in the draft. And it's just they want to get their guys in here so they can build a culture. You know, these guys are going to be leaders in the locker room and come in and say, this is how we do things here. And that's one thing I respect about Matt Rule. When you hear Robbie Anderson and all of his former players talk about him, you know, they'll run through a wall for this guy. He makes a difference in their lives. He's relatable. He's, you know, a younger coach. They really like him. And I think that's kind of, you know, going to be a driving force in bringing free agents to Carolina like that, you know, P.J. Walker, look at him. You know, he, you know, still texts Rule every day, even though he hadn't played for him in several years since he graduated from Temple. You know, but when he got NFL offers from the Seahawks and other teams, he said, no, I want to come to Carolina and reunite with Matt Rule. So I just think you're starting to see Rule begin the steps of building the culture he wants. And I, I think that's positive. Look at what they've done this week. You know, some guys... Um, they'll have opportunities for to earn, you know, roster positions. Uh, Seth Roberts, he played for the Raiders and the uh, Baltimore Ravens, I believe. You may remember him in 2016. We played against the Raiders in Oakland. He uh, had that mossed uh, cornerback Robert McClain scored a touchdown against us. That's the same Seth Roberts. So we'll see. I mean, we got we're adding receiver depth, so he's gonna have an uphill battle earning a roster spot between, you know, what we do in the draft and the guys we got now. Uh, Kirkwood, Keith Kirkwood was a guy from Temple. You know, P.J. Walker's receiver, uh, played also with Robbie Anderson. 
and another Matt Rule guy, another guy that's going to come in and compete. You play with the New Orleans Saints. He got hurt last year, got put on IR. So I think he'll, he's another guy that, you know, Rule's familiar with. He likes him. They're going to um, help come in and establish that culture. Um, another wide receiver, Farrell Cooper. Remember last year we had struggles in the return game with Greg Dortz. They tried Ray Ray McLeod. I think Zilster got reps as a returner, and none of it worked out. But Farrell Cooper, I believe, made all pro as a return specialist with the Arizona, not Arizona, with um, the St. Louis, uh, St. Louis. That's how old I'm getting. The Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I think, you know, he's as a, he's from another Carolina boy, local guy. So he'll come in and be able to earn a roster spot as a starting kick returner. Uh, tight end, you know, Seth DeValve, you know, just adds, you know, camp depth at the tight end position. He played for the Jacksonville Jaguars next year. You know, we'll see how he fits into things. So those are just some of the guys he bought in this week. The um, ones I'm most excited about, you know, of course, I think P.J. Walker, a quarterback from Temple. He was taken by the Indianapolis Colts. Got rave reviews from Andrew Luck. He said, look out for this guy. When his father, you know, started the XFL with Vince McMahon, the first one he told him was, look out for this guy, P.J. Walker. He didn't disappoint. The XFL was only five games long. P.J. Walker was the MVP, and it wasn't even close. You know, he was a superstar in that league, showed off a lot of, you know, a lot of different things. You know, he's got mobility, explosive athleticism. He got a good deep ball. You know, he's accurate. You know, he can make a variety of throws, adjust his arm angles. You know, he just showed so many things there. I just wonder how he was so looked over in the NFL. So I think he's going to have a golden opportunity to come here and compete with Teddy for that um, starting quarterback position. Uh, Robbie Anderson, major signing. Um, He was a, a deep threat for the Jets, runs a good vertical, nine routes, post routes. You know, he runs hitches real well. You know, he's underrated in that short to intermediate game as well. And I think he's going to give it a lot of explosiveness to the offense. You just look at the speed and yard after catchability of these offensive skill position players. Now, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you have to be excited about that. So I think, you know, it's going to be one of the strengths of this team on the offensive side of the ball. And the uh, interesting thing about Robbie Anderson is he did an interview with Golick and Wingo about, you know, what he was looking for in free agency. And he said, you know what, you know, I, I want to, I'm looking at where Teddy Bridgewater is going to go. He's one of the most underrated free agents. Me and Teddy have chemistry together. And, you know, where he goes is going to play a big role and where I go as a free agent. So between having Matt Rule and now Teddy Bridgewater and his college quarterback, P.J. Walker, it just seemed like a good fit for Robbie Anderson. So that gets gets back to what I've been saying, you know, establishing that culture, that continuity, that chemistry, and building your team from the ground up. So those are the um, three uh, big signings that I uh, really like this week. And, of course, you know, Trey Boston. You got that veteran leadership back at the safety position. And you know, what we talked about in January when we were watching the film, we were like, what guys, veteran players on the roster, were still giving 100% effort when there was nothing on the line? You know, we were out of the playoffs, coaching staff gone. Which guys are still giving 100% week after week? And unanimously, we all said Trey Boston. And what I think Matt Rule saw the same thing. He watched the film and saw Trey Boston hustling down 35 to nothing with nothing on the line, still trying to make plays and win football games. So I think that stood out to Matt Rule the same way it stood out to us. So, you know, I, I think this was a 
good week in a cloudy, you know, disappointing offseason. And uh, we also signed Tahir Whitehead, who Larry knows personally, so I'll let him get more in depth on that discussion. But overall, I think the free agency side has been one of the more positives of this week. All right, so, uh, yeah, go ahead, Kev, and uh, jump on in there, man. Uh... Yeah, so as far as the moves we done made this offseason, uh, you know, I think that you can see that we're going by the tradition of uh, filling all your holes so it allows you to draft best player, um, uh, BPA, best player available. Uh, you know, you're seeing that we are putting a lot of unknown to the fans signings because you, I can't tell you how many times, you know, with our signings that you see our fans come out, who's this guy? I've never heard of him. He must be a bomb. Oh, he's trash. Who are these no-name guys? Oh, Rue's turning this into a college team because he's only hiring people. He's um, signing people that he's known and worked with. <laughs> well, um, when you're trying to establish a new culture, you want those that who have embraced your culture and those who have had success in your culture to show other players about the culture that you're trying to establish. Because it's one thing coming from, you know, a coach, you know, but it's another thing when it's one of your your teammates, one of your peers that's also who have experienced it to give you firsthand inside knowledge um, about it. So, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I like and enjoy about the moves that have been made. I mean, we already knew that it was going to be, um, you know, low low tier moves. You know, really not any big name, big splashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you know, if we would call big splashes, I would think that Teddy Bridgewater and uh, Robbie Anderson would count as our two big creating splashes. And when you look at what uh, we're paying for them, we got some home count discounts from people that ain't from our hometown. That's right. <laughs> True that. So. Hey, you know, you know, we ain't have to holler for that dollar, do nothing strange for that change. You know, we was able to <laughs> You know, we was able to make it happen, Captain. So, you know, shout out to the new Capologists for the Carolina Panthers who um, you know, getting these deals done without, you know, blowing a little bit of money that we had, because if I'm not mistaken, I think we like had what over forty million dollars in dead salary cap now. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, so um, but yeah, one of the players that uh, that we signed that probably a lot of people are not too uh, familiar with, and I think that um, that uh, Will had uh, touched on it was uh, the guard from out of uh, I'm trying to think where he's from. Uh, Will, what was that guard from again? He was uh, Teddy Bridgewater's uh, teammate in Louisville. And he came from the Cincinnati. He was drafted by Buffalo and played with Cincinnati as well. Mm. Uh, John Miller. Oh, yeah, John Miller. I don't, I don't know why his name kept drawing blanks. But, yeah, with uh, with John Miller, I mean, you know, a lot of people were, like, watching off. Oh, some, you know, a nobody that was signed. But when you look at his numbers and his statistics, you know, just off of what he did uh, last year, uh, he took 779 total snaps. Uh, 482 pass blocking slaps, 297 run blocking snaps. So he basically almost pass blocked twice as much as he ran block. But for all of his pass blocking um, assignments, he only gave up two sacks, three quarterback hits, and only 19 total pressures in 16 games played. Jesus Christ. Uh, Folks, you are going to be hard-pressed to – 
you know, get that type of production at the guard position, you know, and, you know, and to compare that production to our very own quote unquote, former five-time Provo guard, Trey Turner, you know, with more pass snaps um, at 618, Trey gave up six sacks, uh, four quarterback hits, and 30 total pressures allowed. So even though this quote-unquote nobody that was signed by the Panthers, um, he put in work, folks. So, you know, main thing is keep an open mind. And I know that's going to be hard because, you know, you know, football players are like shoes. Everybody want the Nikes. Everybody want the Jordans. You know, everybody want the Red Elevens, you know. But, uh, you know, sometimes these sketches and these new balances work out just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh <laughs> We definitely got to make sure that, you know, that we at least give these players a chance to show what they can do and know that they are being signed for a purpose. You know, we're, we're you know, you're not going to have a, a team, a roster full of players that are going to be well-known, but they're going to get their chance to have, make their impact. So, I, overall, I just like I just like the moves that's happened this week to offset what had been a pretty negative um off-season for us so far, so um, overall, I just really like I just really like the uh, the way that things are starting to formulate. It's still some work to be done, uh, particularly in the trenches on both sides of the ball. But you know, we are you know we do have to take ninety people to training camp, so we're just starting to put uh, pieces together for this new foundation, uh, one piece at a time. Right on, right on. Yeah, I think what you're seeing is you know, maybe possibly be a defensive-heavy draft with as many offensive free agency signings that have been made. You know, I know Herney flew to Oregon to look at Justin Herbert, but since then, you know, you signed Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker, and then Will Greer, you know, last year's third-round pick on the roster now. So, I mean, you got three quarterbacks, you know, relatively young guys that are going to compete this offseason. So I think I don't see them going quarterback in the draft this year. That allows them flexibility to take uh, defensive players. Now, speaking of defense, you know, another guy we signed was to hear Whitehead, the inside linebacker, which also fills a need. I mean, he struggled a bit in pass coverage last year, but he was a solid uh, run defender. So, I mean, he's a one-year, $2.5 million a year, and guess what? He played at Temple, another Matt Rule guy. So, you know, another guy just going to come in and say, I have experience playing with Matt Rule, Phil Snow, and these guys. This is how we do things. This is the you know, foundation that we're trying to build here. So, I mean, that's what Matt Rule wants, just guys that believe in his system are buying into what he wants to do, you know, and share that one common goal. So it's got to be patient with it, man. I think, you know, the best part of this offseason was Matt Rule and Joe Brady. I just believe in that duo. I really do. You know, it's going to might be a tough year, 2020. You know, I don't expect to be a Super Bowl or playoff caliber team next year, but I just really trust the – you know, potentially this coaching staff and the long-term vision of what they have. You know, I mean, some of the moves they make are difficult. They hurt. Seeing a lot of the guys from the former regime go, but, you know, it's just time at some point we just got to look ahead and let the staff do what they got to do to get us back on top. Facts. Life is what it is, folks. I'm excited Trey Boston is back. I can be excited about anything. It's that Trey Boston is back, not only because – 
you know, not only because of his play on the field. I know a lot of people have some things to knock about him, but when you talk about the heart and soul of a defense, mm. that's what he was. He was actually what Luke used to be all these years, you know, just the emotional leader. And I think that's going to help us out a lot. But pretty light on that, man. I don't have too much excitement. Oh, one other thing is uh, to hear Whitehead. I know Will mentioned him. Not only is he a, a, a Temple alumni, but he's also from my home city, North New Jersey. And oh. I do know him personally. Okay. So I know he's an outstanding individual. I know his work ethic is phenomenal. If I could trust anybody to wear my black and blue, he's one of those guys. You know, I can't wait to get to talk to him about it. I can't wait to get, you know, a few tickets to come to the games, you know. So I'm getting excited about that. Not to mention, you know, he gets 100 tackles a year. You talk about being Jesus. productive. Production is what he does. So he's going to be productive. Will mention he struggled in pass coverage a little bit, but there's always growth for that. But he's been consistent. If you look at this man's numbers, even going back to Detroit, he's been a consistent tackler his whole career. And that goes back to high school. Nobody wanted to get hit by this guy. Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) And he also also has NFL pedigree. His uncle played quite a few seasons in the NFL. If you ever, you know, Google Willie, uh, Willie Whitehead, he played in the NFL for quite some time. So NFL pedigree there, definitely a phenomenal athlete. Those two names right there. Oh, Robbie Anderson. I guess we got everybody. We got Monty's answer, uh, prayers answered. So there are some there are some positive things to look at. I'm just you can hear it in my voice, but I'm just sad at the way the organization has handled things. I'm not saying we made the wrong decisions. It's just the way we went about things. It just I feel like we could have done a better job. But as far as those key acquisitions, I'm excited, man. I can't wait to get to training camp and see these guys. Right on, man. Right on. I can't either. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting, man. We're gonna, we're gonna see what this uh, this project looks like. Um, I think we're gonna win some games. Um, I'm, I'm, I, it it just depends on how, on how they get this defensive front together in this draft and things of that nature. But I, I see good things coming, man. I, I, I like I like the way they they're moving ahead again. You know, they're not coming from a, you know ground zero kind of perspective they bringing in familiar faces familiar with their scheme familiar with their philosophy and uh and actually bringing some nfl experience with them so uh, that's, that's that's a good thing that's a good thing so um and i'm um, bouncing off what you said larry <laughs> it's one of organization and, and cam newton man i they did the man wrong, bro. I, I, they they did the man wrong. I mean, Jake Delhomme got more got more respect when he was let go than Cam did, bro. I mean, it's, you you don't you don't do a former MVP of your team like that, bro. I don't give a fuck what. I mean, it, it's, that's just me. That's just me. I, I but you know. Um, so we'll we'll talk about you know what everybody else is talking about. I, I, Cam being released, basically, like literally being released, and. You know how we feel about that. Uh, we'll start us off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, off the bat, I get the business of football. You know, I'm not upset that you know they didn't like the quarterback that I like. You know, I'm not. There's nothing. There's nothing like that. I've seen talking about a guy. I've been around a long time. I've seen Joe Montana play in a Chiefs jersey. I've seen Randall Cunningham play in a Vikings and Cowboys jersey. I've seen Peyton Manning play in a Bronco jersey. Hell, Tom Brady's playing for the Bucks right now. You know, it's just part of the business of football. But there's a right and wrong way to go about departing with, you know, the 
core core players of your franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's no reason why I think you should have to release a former MVP quarterback and get no compensation in return. And I just think it just it's been mishandled from you know the several months when it started. I think it was clear off the bat. No matter what, you know, Tepper just used the healthy, you know, thing to just kind of buy time and get the media wave off of him. But I just think it's clear from the jump that Cam was never their guy. So if you know that off the bat, why can't you be firm and up front with everybody? Say, we appreciate what Cam's done for this organization, but we believe that it's appropriate for both of us to part ways. You know, not say it publicly, just keep keep it low key, test the trade market, see what's out there for him. And then if you don't, find a trade partner, you can properly release him before free agency starts so he doesn't miss out on opportunities to sign with teams like the Indianapolis Colts, the Tennessee Titans, you know, all you know, the Chicago Bears. All these teams are filling these quarterback holes and Cam Newton's being held hostage under contract throughout the process. So I'm okay with the fact that they've, you know, parted ways with Cam. You know, it's not that what I'm upset about. It's just I think it could have been handled better at the organizational level. I think, number one, they could have, you know, I, I'm not happy that he walked away for nothing. But if I accept that even and say there's no trade market for him because of all of this coronavirus coming on, they can't meet him face-to-face, take his physical and all of that, you know, why did they wait so long to release him to put him at such a disadvantage disadvantage and finding a new team? So that's pretty much all I got to say about that. Kev, what's up? Yeah, um, for me, I always try to look at, you know, both sides of the equation. Uh, Larry, you can go ahead and jump in, bro. Um, I, I know you're not too happy about this Cam situation. Well, it's not even really about football. You know, you want to move on from the guy, go ahead and move on from the guy. You know, he gave us great years. That's cool. But, just, again, the way they've done it. I mean, I'm looking at everything that we lost this offseason. We've gotten nothing back but a fifth-round pick for Kyle Allen. Mind you, we're supposed to be technically rebuilding. You want to get as many draft picks as you can. How come everybody else around the league was able to get picks from players except us? I don't understand it. So, Exactly. Exactly. I'm really, really disappointed in that. And then another thing that, you know, I know why we didn't get any compensation is because the way the front office is moving. You go out and sign Teddy Bridgewater before you find a trade partner for Cam. There's no surprise that you never found a trade partner. Why would I trade for you when I know that you're stuck with two quarterbacks, both making over $20 million? You got to release camp. So why would I give you an asset when I don't have to give you an asset? I can just wait a couple of days until you release them and I'll go sign them myself. Mm -hmm. We just handled this whole from going back to September. We just handled the whole Cam Newton situation horribly. And I'm embarrassed, man. I'm tired of answering questions from my friends. I have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never felt this terrible before, not about losing Cam, but about the pride that I have in being the Panther fan. Mm-hmm. I'm in the fact of us having a, a correctly ran organization. We come up short on the Super Bowl, fine. At least run the organization correctly. And this is just talk. We look like the damn Jets. We look like the damn Browns. Mm. Right? <laughs> Like real we talk, really real look talk. like bottom feeders of the NFL because we don't know how to handle front office, front office moves. Like the football operations, it's just terrible. I feel like David Tepper is trying to become a Jerry Jones-like owner, be so hands-on, 
and it's going to backfire in the long run. Like these little mistakes, they suffer. They, they these little mistakes result in big consequences. That's all I can say. Teddy Bridgewater might work out, but those those picks that we could have got for Cam, they were needed. I know they were needed because we're going to miss out on the player that we could have got. Watch. I'm afraid you're right. Hey, Kev, how, how you feeling about this uh, Cam situation, bro? Some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, Tim, well, you know me. I always try to look at both sides of the coin to try to get a perspective of, you know, what led to the eventual decision. And as we all know, football is it's fun for the fans, but it's business for the players in the front office. And that's the frustrating part of being a fan because, you know, a lot of us don't care about the business, just get the product on the field. But, you know, these are everybody's livelihood. So, you know, understanding the business side it has, plays a factor to the decision. So for me personally, I've been looking at both sides of the coin. You look at, you know, you know, based on my sources that I have connected directly with the team, it was told to me that, the Panthers front office and Cam's agent, Buzz Cook, had been, you know, talking the past few weeks to see what's going on. So when the league year come in, I know the point was made, well, why we didn't release Cam um, to let him have a chance before free agency. Well, the truth of the matter is, you know, from what I was told, the plan was they wanted Cam here in 2020 to see if he can get back to me in the Cam that it was before he was hurt. You know, but the only problem is that contract that he's up under has no guaranteed money. So from the business side of it as a player, that's where, you know, as they say, the rubber met the road because the fact that for the player, you know, God knows some freakish accident happened early in the season and Cam can be cut or released and don't get no money at all, you know, for it. So mm-hmm. playing with a under a contract with no guaranteed money just isn't a smart business move for the player. Then you look at it from the team side of things. You're talking about a player wanting to get guaranteed money that hasn't been able to play healthy in almost 24 months. So you understand that you're hesitant until about investing, you know, anywhere between what 30 million plus into a quarterback that you haven't seen healthy and with the rumors going around the medical report that it possibly may be arthritis in his throwing shoulder and you don't know how that Liz Frank injury, which has ruined some careers, could happen. So you can understand them being hesitant for investing that type of you know money. So it, it just comes down to, you know, both sides trying to do what's best for them. And that ended up leading to what's not being best for the fans because you know, hate it or not, and it was some fans that obviously didn't care for Cam Newton for one reason or another, football-related and non-football-related, but we'll let that slide. Uh, you know, I, I just think that a healthy Cam Newton would have been better than any option out in the free agent market or the draft this year, period. You, you can't convince me of nothing else. But, you know, the business side had to be handled, and it was just best for them to part ways when they realized that you know, there was not going to be an extension given by the Panthers and that Cam Newton wasn't going to play without any guaranteed money. And that's where, you know, that, that just was uh, an impasse that they couldn't that they couldn't get over. And neither side was willing to budge. 
and both sides had legit reasons not to budge. So that's what led to the painful breakup. So, you know, it's, it's being put out there by fans, emotional saying, oh, we threw Cam away. And truth be told, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. The business side just got in the way. And as a fan, we, we don't care about business. We want our players on the field. So at the end of the day, I'm just choosing to look at it as it's just unfortunate that the way Cam's contract was structured, that there was no guaranteed money in his last year. Um, that's, that was kind of new to me, but, you know, he got all his, seemed like he got a lot of his money up front. Um, and it's just unfortunate for the franchise that you had an owner that really liked Cam Newton and, you know, had been, you know, been really excited and a new coach that was excited to see what, it can, what he can do that never going to get the chance to see that now. But such as life as the NFL and, um, yeah, things could have been done differently, but the, uh, the difference is that the business aspect hindered a lot of the ability for things to been handled better in my personal perspective. So adding business plus this coronavirus um, limitations for people having interactions, I mean, really, how many more hurdles can get in the way of a deal possibly getting done? whether it was to keep Cam or trade Cam. So that's just my perspective, how I'm looking at it. Hey, I'm still going to fellowship at least twice a month, man. <laughs> my spot. Cam, I'm a fan for life. Yeah, man. So support. support oh, yeah, no, I'm going to be there. Support the Oh, business. yeah. We're going to be there. Matter of fact, Larry, I was going to tell you, um, I might be coming down to Atlanta in the next week or two, but uh, I'll tell you the reason why off, off the camera. <laughs> oh, no. Not a problem, man. <laughs> yeah, man, as soon as they clear all this up, I start letting me travel again. That's the, one of the first places I plan on going. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think everybody made some good points, but I think uh, one more thing I want to share is the uh, I read on The Athletic about, you know, the weeks that were leading up to the release, and I thought it was interesting that, you know, at the Combine, that's when secrets get let out. You know, GMs are eating at the steakhouses, drinking, let, you know, talking mm. while drunk, you know, letting off all the rumors. You know, that's when trades get done, deals get done, and teams just get vibes of who's on the block, who's going to stay, who's going to get tagged, and those types of things. And I think mm. at the Combine, they said Marty Herney and the Panthers found out that Teddy Bridgewater was going to be available at a lot much more affordable price than they had initially anticipated. Mm -hmm. You know, early reports said that he would get close to $30 million, which is, you know, normal starting quarterback money, close to what Jimmy G got, close to what Tannehill got. But at the combine, they said, no, it's going to be more towards the 21 million, you know, bridge type quarterback money that Nick Foles got in Jacksonville. So I think the, where the, where it got clumsy was we're in the middle of this negotiation with Cam, but, you know, we don't want to miss out on Bridgewater. You know, that's Joe Brady's guy. Mm -hmm. You know, when Joe Brady was hired by the New Orleans Saints as an assistant, you know, his job, he was tasked with getting Teddy Bridgewater up to speed, you know, on the playbook. So they have a uh, pre-existing relationship before he got here. Yeah, you know, that was before he went off to LSU. So uh -huh. he was probably, you know, I can see him pounding the table to get his guy in here to run his offense. So I just think, you know, the challenge of saying, oh, no, we got to, we can't afford to miss out on Bridgewater, but we're in the middle of this negotiation with Cam. The timeline just didn't add up well, and it ended up, you know, being clumsy the way it was. But it's just unfortunate to me the overall 
situation, how it was handled, you know, like I said, I accept the fact that, you know, they weren't in each other's future plans. You know, I accept the business of football. I just think it could have been, you know, handled better on both ends. Yeah, this is a perfect storm. Unfortunate situation. Um and hey, I'm still going. I'm still going to fellowship every other every other week, man. So y'all know. <laughs> I I'm tell you, focus man. on the positive, man. I'm going to focus on the positive. Well, I, we we got to move forward. I can't wait to go. You know, just we got to get back to loving football again. We we can love Cam and the Panthers at the same time. Absolutely, got to understand that too. Absolutely. So that's 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 the only point I'm trying to get across. We can still love Cam. We can still love the Carolina Panthers. It's no it's no divide. Absolutely. And pe- people, you gotta re- you gotta understand that, man. You you can you can separate player from from your loyalty to a team. You know, especially if that especially if that player play for your team that you're loyal to. And you know, played at a high freaking level. I mean, he's going to be in that ring of honor, folks. You might as well just go ahead and get ready for it. Um, stellar, stellar years. I mean, he's he's. I don't know how many records he holds for this franchise, but it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. So you got to put respect on that man's name when you mention, when you mention Cam Newton. And I think, you know, like, like you guys said, man, it was, it's just it's just bad timing, man. It, it, from a business standpoint, you got to think about the franchise going forward. Uh, I just, I just wish, I just wish they would have done it a lot better. You know, it, it, you know there's, there's, there's enough blame to go around, but at the end of the day, you know, Cam's moving on, and so are we. So, yeah, I just feel bad for that younger generation. You got people that first seen Cam throw yeah. a football in the Panther uniform when they were nine years old. Yeah, those guys eighteen now. You know, yeah. they grew up. That's real, Watch bro. Man, played the Panthers uniform, so that's that's gonna it's gonna be some growing pains for the younger generation, especially. So it's, it's a ton of footballs that kids receive that are young adults going to college now. Oh, so, that's you know, true. Cam, Cam had a tremendous impact on our community, man. So yeah. it is what it is. I have a feeling he'll come back to the Charlotte area and uh, still put his his stamp on it. Hell, he might he might keep a home here. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, man. Just think about you no. Know, the fan base, you know, I mean, I don't look down on fans. Everybody has their own reason for being a fan, but yeah. some people are only into Carolina Panthers football because of Cam Newton Cam and the Newton. energy he bought, the excitement he bought to the mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's the first, that's what introduced him to football. If you think about it, that's what introduced all of us to football. You know, I got into football watching Deion Sanders and Barry mm-hmm. Sanders. You know, usually mm-hmm. start out as a fan of a player. That's right. You just watch these players, and that gets you into football, and once you – get familiar with the players you like, you know, you start picking your team. That's right. And I just think a lot of this fan base, you know, younger generation, you know, the, you know, diversity in the fan base, men and women, mm-hmm. the, it just kind of brought everybody together. And I just, you know, Cam Newton really made an impact on this fan base that we'll never see, you know, again, probably. So it's just, you know, it's, I understand the, the outrage from the fan base. I really do. Yeah. You know, just because of his importance. And I think it's just a, ugly way for a lot of people who are still new to this to get used to what the business of football is all about. Yeah. Yep. I know Kevin can probably attest to this. There's one last thing, but I remember what the stands looked like in 2010. Ooh. I also remember what it looked, what it looked like when Cam was drafted. But one thing that you notice is the energy progressively got better over the years with Cam, yeah. you know, 
being the face of the franchise. Yeah. That's something that might be hard to regain, man. Just the the energy that it used to be that you used to feel when you just came out of the out of the out of the tunnel. Yeah. It was something that I had never felt before because I went. I, my my boy Mike Gustin played for the Panthers back in 2009. I think he left in 2011. But I was going to games when we were, you know, two and fourteen. Mm. Then I didn't go back to a game until 2013. It was black and white. <laughs> the energy, completely different. I know. Day, yeah. I would say about eighty percent of that had to do with Cam Newton, man. This it just wasn't winning because I seen games in 08. I seen the game in 05. It, the energy when Cam was in that uniform was always different. Totally always. different. Totally different. And Kevin, you and I spoke about that last uh, last podcast about um, the 2015, the season of the dab, and that and that when the peak of that energy that you were talking about, Larry, it is just it, it it was amazing, man. I mean, and and it, and it just trickled down the whole freaking team, bro. Defense defense was feeding off of Cam's energy. The fans were feeding off of Cam's energy. Stu was running, feeling, uh, was feeding off his energy when he ran the football. Man, you could tell, man. Tobert, man. I mean, motherfuckers had swag, man. I mean, it was, it was just. Whew. You're right, man. I don't, I don't, if we ever see something like that again, it's, it's going to be a player that transcends what we've seen from Cam, and that's going to take a lot to do. I mean, second in line was Luke. You know, Luke yeah. brought that energy, I would say, second most, and you lose both of those guys? Like, yeah, man. who are you going to be saying? Who are you going to be saying now? Rule? Rule. Rule. CMC. CMC. Like, we got to really, really, you know, it's just, oh it's just like, it's, it's new territory. We got to find a whole new identity. As fans, do, man. and that's just that's that's the part that's hard to really get you know come to come to grasp with. Now Trey got good energy. But I, I, that's about it. Man. That's all I can think of is Trey. Anyway. Yeah, we, we just we gotta wait for for a, we're gonna have a whole new identity, a whole new culture. Yeah, I'm excited to embark on it, man. It's just when you get used to something for so long, it's like going through a breakup. You know you. Even though you knew that you weren't supposed to be in that relationship and you're moving on to better things, that first couple of few months, it's like you're getting used to something brand new and it's just it's just uncomfortable territory. That's yeah. where we at right now. Uncomfortable territory, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the misconception is that reflecting and reminiscing over the good times is disrespect to the guys that are in the building now trying to build a future. You know, one has nothing to do with the other, and it goes both ways. You know, That's right. Teddy Bridgewater and P.J. Walker and Robbie Anderson, they're not the ones in the office negotiating contracts. So stop taking your anger out on those guys. Exactly. You know, and support them just like you supported the previous regime. You can, you can reminisce and be happy about the guys that laid the foundation for what Panthers football should be all about without disrespecting the – new guys coming in trying to make names for themselves as well. So I think that's the biggest, you know, misconception. Just because we say, just because we, you know, have great memories of 2015, 2013 and the Cam Newton era, it's no disrespect to Matt Rule and what he's trying to build here. It's just, you know, we're in that transitioning period, so it's just going to be a lot of that. Yep. I'm actually a, a huge fan of Teddy Bridgewater, like a really, really big fan of Teddy Bridgewater. My dad's a Vikings fan, so... Ah. A lot of time, you know, watching Teddy Bridgewater. I'm a huge fan. 
But at the same damn time, he's got some big shoes to fill. Oh boy. It's not <laughs> even fair. To you. It's not even fair, bro. <laughs> he's got some shoes. Like, I, I can already uh, I, I feel for him because of the amount of pressure that he's under. Man. He's got huge shoes to fill, man. That's all I can tell you about it. I tell that you, quarterback position, man. That's a that's a a big hole to fill, man. I tell you what, though, man. Um, he got the weapons to 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 make some to make some noise, though. He can he can spin that rock too, bro. He he he's, he has a great touch. So we'll see, man. I don't know. Winning will help that. Winning will help that transition for sure. For sure. Yeah. One yeah. thing I will say is. Look at what this regime is doing for Teddy Bridgewater that the previous regime didn't do for Cam Newton. Don't get me they started. They went in and traded the left tackle, Don't you know, Russell Okung. Mm. You know, very respectable left tackle. So with Okung and Moten, I mean, when's the last time we had that respectable of a tackle duo? Now mm. he does have injuries. Some, you know, he had a groin injury and a blood clot. So we don't know if we're going to get, you know, peak Okung. But, I mean, if he can, you know, revive himself and – be that serviceable left tackle. Right. I mean, that's step one. Then he went out and got a Robbie Anderson, got mm. depth at that wide receiver position. He's got McCaffrey. Mm. You know, I mean, once they can fix his interior offensive line, we just look how much of a priority the quarterback has been for this regime than it was for when Cam was here. So that's one thing that, um, you know, and no disrespect to Teddy, you know, I spoke last week. I love Teddy, but it's just a shame to see them finally get their act together and focus on the offense exactly. once Cam Newton is leaving the team. Exactly. That, that, that's probably the most frustrating thing for me. Uh, I mean, if they could have just gotten Cam. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that shit, man. That's, that's water under the bridge. But uh, it's, it's nice to see this team's the, – the, the, the direction they're taking is to beef up that offense, to have some – some strong stability on that offense. And the offensive coordinator they don't that doesn't mind, you know, tossing that rock around, you know. Just look at the Saints offense, folks. That's that's what's coming. So uh yeah. Can't wait for that. Um speaking of quarterbacks, we traded one for a uh a fifth round pick, man. Kyle Mup and Allen. My homeboy. <laughs> The babyface assassin, uh, as long as it's under 15 yards. <laughs> yeah, well, he's wind, he's wind, wound up in uh, old uh, D.C. territory with uh, Rivera and crew. Um, you guys have anything to uh, to uh, add on that? No, no. You mean Herney <laughs> <laughs> actually did something right this offseason? The only good thing that Herney has done the entire offseason. I mean. Kyle Allen I, for I a mean, fifth rounder. Like, I brought it up. Like, Nick Foles, much more accomplished Super Bowl champion. He went 140th pick in the draft, goes to Chicago. Mm. 148th pick. <laughs> Herney gets Kyle, get rid of Kyle Allen and gets the 148th pick. So you're talking about an eight-pick difference between Nick Foles and Kyle Allen. Oh, so, I mean, that's a great trade. I mean, yeah. it's not like Herney has a good rep, um, success rate at hitting fifth-round pick, so don't get too excited about it. But the <laughs> fact that he was able to get something for him, um, I think that was a pretty good deal on Herney's part. But, I mean, you got it. Now do something with it. That's exactly. what it comes down to. You got it. Now do something with it. Bruh, do something nice with it, man, please. That was Herney's best trade since he got us Greg Olsen in 2011. Damn. 
It's <laughs> almost a decade ago. Hey, and he's right. That's a funny thing. <laughs> That's the best one. Dude. I mean, name one. Go ahead. But I just think what's what you know what if you. Well, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not in the front office and don't know the ins and outs. But I'm just imagining if Kyle go for a fifth. What was Cam's true trade Man. value in the event? Everything went right. Could we have got a second round pick oh. or a pair of second round picks or a pair oh. of day two picks or dare I say a late first? That just you know, that just doesn't sit well with me, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just hurts, man. That hurts my feelings, bro. It hurt. You imagine? I mean, come on, man. With this draft, we if we had two second second rounders, two third round picks. Are you fucking kidding me? Playoffs? Yeah, really, you kidding me? Playoffs? It's really, that, it's really that painful for me, Tim. I don't even want to keep God. rubbing it in, bro. I mean, what the. <laughs> Huh. I didn't even want to talk about that. I didn't even want to talk about that transaction just because I see Kyle Allen with one full season of tape one. on his resume. You get a whole fifth for that guy. One. But you get zero for your friend. I, I don't want to talk about this no more. <laughs> All right, folks. Zero. <laughs> you got zero for a potential Hall of Famer. I just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My question is, who who did the deal on Washington's side? Because, you know, their GM slot is uh, vacated because, quote-unquote, they waiting on Herney. So was this a Herney-Rivera, you know, discussion? I mean, because if I'm not mistaken, when they introduced um, Ron Rivera, it's pretty much like he was going to be the one, you know, overseeing from a, a coaching point of view and, and uh, so, you know, could they two old friends got on the phone and and, um, you know, work something out? You know, like I said, I, I'd rather took Dunbar than the fifth. But like I say, that would have been a one year run of that price. And then he would have wanted, you know, the bag next year, mm-hmm. although we would have, um, you know, had a lot more salary cap to handle it. But, you know, at the end of the day, um you know, I'm thinking, was that a Rivera Herney conversation that got us uh, got us that pick? I mean, because I don't know who else would be in charge of uh, making that decision for the Redskins. I'm not familiar with their, you know, front office personnel, but I just remember what's what was said that Rivera had full control over putting his roster together. So, yeah, I think it was a Scott Turner decision because uh, huh. Scott Turner discovered Kyle Allen. He went to a Pro day out in Houston, took him out to dinner and just really became impressed with the kid. And he eventually kind of became his project, you knowing he developed him to, you know, see what he did last year. I mean, I don't think he's great, but he exceeded my expectations as an undrafted free agent. So to be able to flip a guy that you yeah. got for nothing, undrafted free agent, and flip him for a fifth, I mean, that's a pretty good return on investment. But so I think it had a combination to do with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner. And Ron also, he had an interview on WFNZ today where he just said he likes, he just likes, you know, Kyle, what Kyle brings to the table. He knows the offense. He wants to keep young quarterbacks in there. have a nice little competition going. I mean, I expect Haskins to blow him out of the water anyway. But yeah, he wants yeah. to make it seem like there's a competition going on there to fill that starting quarterback role. So maybe mm. they just like Kyle Allen more than, you know, the what we did. But. I mean, I I like the trade. I just it just makes me think, you know, could we gotten more for, you know, why couldn't why does Cam Newton have no trade value? Why? I mean, 
Well, ah. Nick Foles broke his collarbone last year. Come <laughs> got, on, man. Got a fifth round pick. Yo. So, I mean. <laughs> Cam pissed. He must have pissed some people off, bro. He, I'm serious, man. He must have pissed some people off. I mean, I, I, still, I don't get it. The, the disrespect and how we got out of there. We got nothing for the man. I mean, it makes no sense. None. But then you also got to look at it. What teams had who were quarterback needy had $19 million to take on their salary as well. You know, we, we also got to, you know, factor in, you know, that, you know, as as, as a reason because when no, you look we at the team. No, we don't. People throw people throw $40 million and stuff at Kirk Cousins. I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> I don't want to hear uh, I mean, it, oh, man. If, if it was truly a need, they would have moved some shit around to get the guy. Yeah, I, I, I think they would. I mean, but realistically, you know, we're talking about a quarterback you haven't seen healthy in almost two years. True. I mean, as a front office, would you have traded for a Cam Newton that you hadn't seen? See, as Panther fans, of course, we're saying, yeah, because we've seen once healthy what it can do. But if you're not a fan that's following the Panthers outside of highlights on ESPN and NFL Sunday Countdown, you're not sure what you're getting. You know, all you know is the man can dab and run a few touchdowns and, you know, and have made a few splash plays here and there. But as far as a, a front office, I mean, at, at the end of the day, what would you have traded for Cam Newton if you needed a quarterback? It, you know, it, you got to flip it around. It depends. Based, based on the workout he had in Atlanta, he, he seems to be ready to go. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't – I mean – But how many teams saw that, though? Yeah, I mean, I look at it like the Bears traded a fifth for – Nick Foles, he has a similar salary. He's making $21 million. I mean, he broke his collarbone last year, but he had a relationship with the coach, you know, Matt Nagy coach Nick Foles before in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So maybe they said, let's go with the familiarity guy that's a little bit more healthy than mm -hmm. taking a risk on Cam Newton. Because mm -hmm. that athletic article, uh, Jordan Rodriguez, it had the, the Panthers called two teams, the L.A. Chargers and the Chicago Bears. Yeah to try to trade Cam yep. and two teams, the Bears and the Patriots, or the, not the Bears, the Chargers and the Patriots requested Cam's medical records. Yep. But I think from the Bears' perspective, they just went with Foles. The Chargers and the um, Patriots' perspective, they're like, you're releasing the guy. Why would I give up a pick? Exactly. So let's just wait until we do anything. So I, I, you know, we'll see what yeah. happens. You know, we'll see what kind of market he commands as a free agent, but – it just doesn't sit well with me, man. That we uh, we got nothing for him. Is it? Is it? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not riding with that because I guarantee Ben Roethlisberger doesn't last one day on the trade block. I don't mm. want to hear that. Mm. When the last time we when, when the last time we seen him play? I'm good on that, man. I mean, and, and, we just handle we. It, it, it's on us. We handle the situation. Yeah, bro. I was gonna say yeah. The, the Panthers organization screwed Cam, bro. I mean, the way they handle that, they screwed Cam out of getting some kind of deal. Uh, I mean, it, it, that's. It's it's just it's just just the way the other quarterbacks have been handled in that situation. I mean, if if you really if you really want a quarterback to upgrade a quarterback at the quarterback position, I mean, you're going to take a chance on Cam Newton. I mean, he has too much to offer. This guy too has been hurt every single season of his college career. He's had more surgeries in in three and a half years than Cam has ever had. He's going top ten in most people' book, right? I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Cam, Cam was valuable. We 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 gave away value for nothing. That that's all. I don't. 
19 million dollars cool we gave away value for nothing I don't care about moving on from the quarterback. You want to move in a, a different direction? Fine. But you just, just know you gave away asset for zero return. There's yeah. an issue with that. Yeah, that's 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 the thing. Hey, we, we we got nothing for an MVP. MVP. And, I, again, I know he's been injured for, for the past two years. I get that. I, I, I truly get that part. But yeah. my point is, where does Bus Cook get off on asking for a five-year extension? Though, like, really, like, and that's I another can see thing. If the man would have said a two-year extension or something. But how do you have the gall to, you know, try to secure a bag like that, knowing your client's history? I mean, yeah, it's easy to want to shit on the franchise and how they handle it, but come on now, you you got to be realistic. I mean, you're 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 still he's he's thinking about the brand Cam Newton versus the player. Of Cam Newton when when asking for that, come on now. Five. Yeah, I, I would like name, to name, name, that's name me one GM that's there. gonna pay a five uh, a five year extension on that. Find me one that would have done the same thing. Well, that's another thing. That just means he doesn't like the situation here. I mean, exactly. If he played yeah, out I mean, his contract, he's on a rebuilding team for one. So you play out your contract. Now you um you're gonna be on a team that's in transition. So. The pro- probability of you playing well and earning a bigger extension is low, and you know the team's hesitant to commit to you to, in the first place. So you're saying, "I'll stay if you give me this." Could have been his mentality there, and then plus on top of that, you know the franchise tag game is dirty in the NFL. You know you yeah. ball out, they won't give you an extension. They'll say, "Okay, I'm gonna tag you, do it again. I'm gonna tag you, do it again. I'm gonna tag you, do it again." And you can tag a player twice, I think. So they'll rest the risk of Cam playing out. Last year, as he got caught up, still not getting an extension and playing the franchise tag hmm. game. So I just, I mean, for me, from what a request like that combined with the Panthers not willing to commit much to him just tells me neither side wanted to be here and it was best for them to go in their different directions, which I have no problem with. Yeah, My problem is I just doesn't sit well with me that we're not getting nothing in return. It was a perfect storm, man. It was a perfect fucking storm. I mean, Cook Cook went in there. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. And I don't know. I would like to know if Cam had anything to do with that or not, that negotiation. I would love to know that. But, I mean, five-year extension and you hadn't played in two years, basically? I mean, come on, dude. That, that, that doesn't make any business sense um, from, a, from, a, uh, from a, you know, a, a client standpoint. I mean, why, why, would you, why would you even do that? You shouldn't even make that approach. And then the Panthers basically slipping up and releasing Cam and, you know, not really showing any type of commitment to the guy, which sends a message to everybody else, like, why are they not committing to this guy when if if he's that if he's at that level? You know, and it just and it, that screwed up the whole communication process the, or the possibility of one. It, it, was, it was just this perfect storm, man. And, and it's, we didn't get shit for this, man. And that, that really bugs me. I'm not asking for a first round. Hell, I'm not even asking for a second round. In this draft, a third and a fourth would have done wonders for us. It would have done wonders. I, I don't know. Personally, I would have loved to got New England's three third round picks for Cam. We could have did that deal all day. Exactly. Three thirds in this draft, man. Come on, dude. We could have short up. We could have short up two positions on, on defense and a position on offense. Along with hey, the third um, we already got. I mean, it's... Wow. Hey, what did Ghetto Man get for Coney Ely? Didn't he get like a, 
extra second or third <laughs> from Belichick for uh, Coney Ealy. Ain't that some shit? Yeah. <laughs> Coney Ealy, wow. <laughs> Where's that guy? Man, bro. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, man. Kyle Allen and brought up Cam again. Damn it, Kyle. They'll always be interrelated. <sighs> <laughs> always. Always. The next Tom Brady. <laughs> Kyle motherfucking Allen. We're going to look back at the great path of Civil War, Cam versus Kyle. For real? 2019. I mean, <laughs> you're talking about a, a nuclear bomb every time you go on a Panthers page. I mean, good Lord, God. It was just like Lord. you thought – Every fan's mother was just talked about on, on that one. <laughs> yeah, Matt Rule probably was getting all them tags on social media about the cam. Kyle DeBaton said, the hell with both of them. <laughs> See how tired it is. <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. Who's next? <laughs> nah, he uh, he, can't, he got his inner Nino Brown. He said, cancel that bitch. I bought me a new one. <laughs> and did. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Rock a bye, baby. <laughs> Shit, he got two. <laughs> two yeah, quarterbacks. Two quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. it might I be. think people <laughs> I think people gotta realize though is just how much coaches like uh, quote unquote their guys. And college coaches especially, they got guys they recruited. Yeah. Guys they coach. Like uh, Teddy Bridgewater, for example, played at Louisville. They played against Temple in twenty thirteen, beat them thirty to seven. And back then, Teddy was projected to be the number one overall pick in the draft. So, Teddy Bridgewater lit up Matt Rule's Temple team that, you know, had P.J. Walker, had Robbie Anderson, had, you know, Whitehead on there. You know, so, I mean, all these guys played against each other in 13. And then P.J. Walker, that's Matt Rule's quarterback. And Will Greer, Will Greer's West Virginia team lit up Matt Rule's Baylor team in college. So, I mean, these are all kids, Matt Rule. Either coached or coached against, and yeah. probably recruited. I think you recruited DJ Moore. You recruited Ian yeah. Thomas. Yep. So yeah. I just, I just see how the thirty-year-old guys, the old guard, just you know, they're just not really <laughs> fitting into Matt Rule's plan. He's going with the guys he recruited, he coached, he's familiar with, he knows. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's okay. That's just part of building the culture you want. Because imagine paying a man $60 million and not letting him do it how he want to do it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been in the league almost, what, what 10 years, right? He, yeah, he's not going to just fall in line, bro. You know, it's a <sighs> perfect storm, man. I just wish we got something out of that shit. But, okay, sarah, sarah. Moving on, man. Moving on. All right, guys, any parting shots before we get up out of here? Yeah, man, I mean, everybody stay safe with everything that's going on oh, here. Yeah. You know, just be sure to tune in. We'll try to put out as much content we can to keep y'all entertained, but got a long few months ahead of us. Sure do. Sure do, man. Yeah, y'all definitely, if you, listen, if you listen to this podcast, please wash your freaking hands. Stay isolated. There's no need to, you know, play games with this virus. Um, 
it, it, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, it spreads like, quote-unquote, the flu, but it is not the flu. It is, it is not the flu. They, they still don't understand how this thing is operating other than it will kill you. All right? So, please, folks, don't play games. Yeah, y'all stay safe out here and keep pounding. That's what we got to do to make it through this whole thing. Tell the whole world to keep pounding. Yes, sir. Yeah, and just definitely just stay tuned with the four-man rush because we're going to make sure that, you know, we're going to get through this quarantine. There's a lot of material to be covered. You know, we may not put out the information first, but we're going to put it out the best. And we just want to make sure that you fans, you know, ride with us and we're going to ride through for you. Right on. Well said, Kev. Y'all heard it here. The best of the Panther Panther media right here, folks. The four-man rush. Um, and in terms of the draft, if you guys haven't been checking out the uh, four-man rush website, awesome articles on that stuff. Um, and, of course, on the uh, Facebook page, awesome write-ups, keeping you up to date on everything that's, that's going on on the uh, Carolina Panther roster. Um, and of course, you know, you catch us on uh, Instagram and YouTube and um, TikTok and uh, Twitter. Uh, Twitter, hey, that Twitter games, Twitter games hype, folks. Y'all sleeping? <laughs> that four man rush Twitter game is hype. You're sleeping on it. And um, if you listen to this podcast and you missed uh, Kevin's post game live feed on Facebook, you're missing something. Go check it out. Go check it out. Quit fucking around. <laughs> Check it out, man. Um, and if you listen to this podcast in the morning, afternoon, or evening, I hope you guys are getting through this coronavirus uh, situation, also known as COVID-19. Um, be safe. Be smart. Be wise. You know, and um, we, we would love for you to stick around and watch watch this Panther organization um, go through this transformation Hopefully for the better. Who knows? Who knows? So, um, until next time, folks, uh, we will uh, hold it down and keep Panther Nation on its toes, and we'll let you know how it goes. Right on. This is Timmy Vo here with Kevin, Will, and Larry, and shout out to the rest of the Four Man Rush crew, um, Norris and Canardo and Vince and Jadarius. And, of course, you wonderful Panther Nation folks out there. Hold it down. Be safe. Wash your hands. Feed your dogs. And, as always, keep pounding. Clear. <laughs> Larry said, zoop. Why you mad? Why you mad, son? Probably had a tender date waiting. <laughs> 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 why you mad, son? Why you, uh, why you mad, son? <laughs> why you mad, Man, these Panther fans, boy, these boy, people going crazy. Gotta check on some of them, man. For real, yo. For real. This is some on Suicide Watch shit. I mean, I like Cameron. Just take it out of really let it breathe. So, baby, just chill. Yeah. She love it. We out in public and we can just chill with my partners. And we can go back to my crib and just chill out in the covers and do we come in and you love us. The Foreman Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The Four Man Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the Four Man Rush exclusively. Thank you.